And welcome to the HBM podcast. I am Leon Leeuwenhart, hoogvos van Hortog den Holland. And I'm joined by Frank and Holly. Frank and Holly, how are you doing? Hello, I'm Leon. Doing, I'm doing wonderful. I'm already talking over people, so it's off to a fantastic start. I'm doing that on purpose. It's like you need to visualize it as like me putting miniature versions of both of you in like a tiny jar and like shaking it. No, um, and like putting a really sharp stick in there as well. I'm just seeing what happens. <laughs> just seeing seeing yeah. who fights to death first. Yeah, who's the most self-entitled that like, you know. Old school psychiatry. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's like, you know, like some, somewhere in between like 70s psychiatry and MK Ultra. <laughs> I see. Like, I, I see no reason that this can go wrong. It's, that's kind of how everything goes. Of course not. Yeah, well, you guys know Frank and we have Holly on. Holly, who's a professional victim and eel pit man enthusiast. I am very enthusiastic about the eel pit man. This is correct. Um, Hi, I'm Holly. I am here because I'm Leon's friend. It's pure nepotism. Um, I am based out of based out of Scotland. I live in Scotland. I don't know what I mean. Based out of. Um, (laughs) uh, You're based, Holly. I mean, I am pretty based if I don't if I say so myself. Okay, so Holly had to leave. Um, (laughs) I gotta go. Bye. Um, but yeah, I'm here to talk about, well, I will, I, I won't, I won't spoil, even though it's, it's in the title. It's in the I title of the episode, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm here to talk about a very cool video game that I like very much, which is why I'm here. Because I, I pestered Leon about it, and I was like, you need to finish this game, talk to me about this game. And he was like, you know what, I'm just going to put you on the podcast. And I was like, sure. So now I'm here. It's just that simple. Yeah, if I have to talk to Holly, I might as well profit off of it. And <laughs> I'm okay we, with that. We are talking about what what would we call it? Not an indie, not an indie, uh, but a but a, but a but a I don't know double A game, uh, somewhere single A between. game. Yeah, I was thinking single A, single yeah, A game, like an A point five. Yeah, it's like yeah. one point five, A point five, um, A game, darling, Pentiment. And uh, ACAP put it as one of the games of the year, so we need we had to talk about it. Uh, that's that's the rule. It's made yeah. by uh, Obsidian Studio, and the studio we have talked about a lot by now. Mm-hmm. Uh, in contrast to Bioware, mostly, so it's nice to like just uh, once again not probably going to talk a lot about the studio, but we are going to talk about this game. Uh, Frank, how about you take it away for what the game's about? So I can't Pent- be bothered. <laughs> Fair enough. Pentiment. Uh, Pentiment is a. Uh historical uh illuminations detective game um it's effectively a it's very, it's a very narrative game it's story driven mostly there's, there's not much you know running jumping that action stuff it's it's a dialogue narrative game where you you are andreas Mahler and you are a an illuminate an illuminator uh learning and training in the Kyrsau monastery in Tassing, mm. uh, which is a fictional, uh, uh, it's not Bavarian, Bavarian town. Uh, yeah. Um, I think it was like northeast Italy, somewhere Austria, Bavarian, like that mm-hmm. corner. That uh, I don't know what. Uh, well, I know it's part of the Holy Roman Empire, but I don't know who exactly ruled it. A prince mm-hmm. bishop, apparently. Uh, yeah. So, which there were a couple of bridge bishops in that region, actually. So even that doesn't really pin it down for me. I'm sure they say it's somewhere in the game, and I should probably, know, but uh, um, can't be bothered. 
And we're in the mid 1500s or late 1500s. We start with mid and it goes later, I believe. Yeah. I I forget the specific year, but I I remember that, you know, it's that point in late, it's a late medieval period. Uh, We use that terminology here as the historian in the room. (laughs) It's a late late medieval period. Um, (laughs) It's our podcast. We can do what we want. Of course. Um, um, I'm not a medievalist, just just saying, but uh, yeah, no, uh, late, late medieval period is a, it's a good, it's a better terminology. Yeah, um, Constantinople has already fallen. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Luther's published his thesis, or yeah. nailed them, rather. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we are in this quaint town, so to speak, that is starting to be... Well, its most distinct feature was its monastery and its scriptorium which uh, both, you know, wrote, well, wrote's an odd word um, <laughs> <laughs> for this case, because it's not necessarily uh, creative, so to speak, but where mm-hmm. they, they made a lot of these books uh, at the time, you know, handcrafted the illuminations, all of that, but that's becoming less popular. We have the printing press now, so this is, it's being phased out, and this town was mostly distinctive because of that and this um and this sanctuary maybe uh has it has this relic of saint moritz which uh, close to a real saint uh that that kind of thing and it is a town with uh which contains multitudes so to speak because it is both the these moments of forward of advancement of modernity and these moments of you know this stronger medieval period and its structures and institutions and you are there as someone who is part of the monastery but only visiting and you're learning and uh trying to grow as an artist uh before you return home to nuremberg and um there's been a murder uh, because this is a detective game and you need to investigate and uh, things go weird and then we jump in time and things have changed. You have changed as a character. And there's another murder. And finally, time advances further still. And there's one final murder. And uh, things wrap up a bit as we join both the history of this town, its histories, its present, its past, its potential future, and all these people living there. It's it's a detective game, really, but it's more than that. I, I, that's reductive to say. And that's why this is a very loose description of what this game is. And we'll, we'll get to the plot as we advance through this chat. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's it very obviously went in that direction of blending its genres. Yeah. Uh, it, it's like, you know, even though murders are like, uh, murder mysteries are a staple of like conversation-based games, I feel. But, you know, it's, that's yeah. often the case, which is which is fine. But yeah, you are. But we shouldn't think of it as being like a medieval phoenix, right? It you are, yeah. I would say, a very visceral person, not in a un, un, uh, unpleasant way, but in a you know, in like the fact that you do. I guess you are allowed to role play quite a bit for a conversation based yeah. game. Normally, you are like locked in. Once again, the character of like phoenix, right? Like you can maybe make some choices, but it's not role playing. And this one has like an origin and like specifications and educations and like all these things that you can draw upon later throughout the game mm-hmm. until its very end is, uh, I think, is very interesting. And once again, 
is maybe something that certain other games, bigger and smaller, can learn from. <laughs> um, I think also, once again, the thing that Frank also touched upon is that the way it is given shape is really pro- uh, provocative. Yeah, It has this, what uh, we, we kind of touched upon in Hades, what I would like to call is like meaningful maximalism. It isn't maximalism as in color everywhere, but it is maximalism as in, oh, what do we do with the, uh, inv- uh, the UI and the environment that we are given? And how do we get the most out of it? How do we make? How do we bring this alive? And maximalism is at its most effective when it's bringing alive things, when it's animating things. And I think that game is like, like open. I don't, I don't want to say peerless, but once again, Hades and uh, in this game as well are like on a very high pedestal when it comes to like you know utilizing these things. Yeah, there uh, is. Yeah. It feels like there is very little wasted space in this yeah. game. Uh, there is very little. Uh, both in just visually what you see, like as the player, but also in the conversations, like everything that's said feels very intentional, important, and fine tuned. There's no like, oh, just some filler dialogue. Like everything that's said either fleshes out the world or the characters or you as a character or your experiences. Um, this game is very good at using using every every last drop that it has. Um, also, can I ask? Because obviously we all played this separately. Uh, what origins did you pick for your Andreas Mailer? Ooh, oh, that's right. uh, <laughs> I uh, I did, because of Leon, uh, I picked <laughs> the uh, um, the one where you. God, I, I I took some screenshots, but I I probably won't be able to find them now. But I think huh? I, I went with like the the one that was closest to Dutch, or that you knew well, Dutch. Or... It is. It is. Uh, it once again, it was Lowland. Um... Uh, origins and uh, low countries or low counties yeah. whatever and essentially back in the day there was uh, there was a distinction especially at 1500 already i would say mm-hmm. but the flemish which is like the west belgians what we now what we now call well we still call them flemish by the way but uh once again it's not really important but i'm going to talk about it anyway because <laughs> i'll never get a chance to talk about it again they they were were still it was still like a strong like uh overarching structure to the cultures like both Dutch and Holland-ish. Once again, doesn't translate to English. I don't know what you would call Holland specifically, which once again is just the west coast of the Netherlands. It's not synonymous, but there was no. Oh, I don't know. I I I would have to look at the year again. But in towards the uh, end of fifteen hundreds, we got our little independence war from like the uh, Holy Roman Empire. But I think we're still part of it as of right now. This is once again not really important because it doesn't really pop up in the game. But um, yeah, we also became Protestant, I guess. But it's um, yeah. So there, there's like with the Low Countries origin, you you know Dutch, but once again Flemish and Dutch didn't have that much of a distinction back then. There's this this came later, and there's still every person that speaks Flemish can understand Dutch. Every person that Dutch understands Flemish. There are some like very culture specific words and whatnot, and they speak they pronounce them differently. For instance, uh, Dutch people say a lot in their speech, and the Flemish can't. They used to speak like this. This is like uh, this is Flemish, and and this is Netherlandish. This is this is Dutch. If you if I speak with a very thick Dutch accent, it sounds like this. Just so you guys know, I'm, I'm sparing you guys. I could be. I could be talking. It like could this. be so much worse. I, I have now pulled away the curtain and visited the horrors upon you, like a Lovecraftian mm-hmm. nightmare. How life could have been. 
And I, I need you guys to be more thankful towards me from now on. So. But yeah, sorry. The, one, so yes, uh, this is the Dutch, but it's also Flemish uh, origins. He spends time in Flanders, sadly, not in the Netherlands, but he does know Dutch. But so, yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's, so that's, that's the a very elaborate answer. In, uh, in honor of Leon. Uh, but then I, I also put up put up the page. I uh, I went for a bookworm, being a bookworm for having a formation in theology, and then um, because I I am no one but myself, uh, I went for a logician and orator. We had really different builds. We so I I played this game with my lovely spouse and our good friend. Uh, and we we played this together. We like we like playing these kind of games together. Um, and I think we picked uh, the our background was the I think it was the Italian one. Yeah, yeah, Florence. Um, I I I checked with Holly. Like you yeah. picked the Dutch one, right? Because you love me. And Holly was like, no. I I was not Frank there when the they selected one. this. I'm just saying. I was not <laughs> present when they selected this. Um, mm. But then I we put we picked heaven and earth, heavens and earth, hedonism, occult, and theology. Um, wow, <laughs> two very different builds. We were like, our Andreas, bit of a party animal, um, loves reading books he really shouldn't. Um, is you know enjoys enjoys uh knowing things about nature, and we had the theology in there as well. Um, that was our build though. What did you do, Leon? Leon, I of, of course Dutch origin. Um, of course, because <laughs> that that way I could see the Dutch windmill. In the, in the village, which is the height of the wind. They say it's it's part of the most famous part of testing is its monastery, but I would argue personally, it's the windmill. <laughs> but um, I have to I have to say that it's it's like I have to sign a certificate at birth that has to like talk about windmills. <laughs> but um, so it's Dutch origin, uh, hedonist. I and then I think I picked um as education law, and. Latinist, I think. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, orator. Or law and orator, I had. No, but you can I, pick Latinist and orator because those are the secondary ones. Yeah, no, but I think law and orator, not law and Latinist, hmm. is what I picked. And then uh, Hedonist, Law, Latinist, uh, and Lotus, uh, Logistician, or uh, Logician, hmm. whatever. The logic person, that one. <laughs> so I can destroy my opponents with logic effects, which didn't happen very often. Throughout the game, I will say, which is yeah, fine. Um, yeah, no, yeah. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about that. He- like we found heavens and earth didn't it didn't it didn't like wasn't very helpful all the time, but it was very fun like flavor text. Oh yeah, um, I imagine. Did you know the dial, the thing that is that's in the prior's home? Did you were you able to like do something with that if you had that background or? Oh, the, uh, the Greek dial. House. Yeah. Yes, that was that was part of the evidence. We we followed that line through completely, basically. Yeah, but could you like do something right away with it because you had heaven and earth, or? Um, I'm not too sure actually. It's okay, been okay. it's been a while since I played this. No, fair enough. I was just wondering because I am <laughs> a little bit fresher and uh, I was like wondering like, oh, I, I bet was, I should have picked. I think that it was one. fairly quick. Yeah, that's. Uh... I believe, but this yeah. is the thing like, uh, one of the things I really like about this game is is how. You know, you you are you are always playing. Well, you're you're playing Andreas Mailer, but your Andreas Mailer can be mm-hmm. completely very very different from someone else's Andreas Mailer. Oh, yeah. um, and I think it, it straddles that line really well with uh, keeping 
you know when games give you a blank slate character but they're just too blank yeah yeah i think this game straddles the line very excellently at letting you put your own your own touch on this character and making him feel like your own definitely i think there are a few games that understand its own chosen setting so well as this oh and what yes. i mean by that is that like and this is something i deeply deeply love about like when a video game or really anything does this and that's like allowing me like put some of my own smarts into this game like for instance i knew that like christians shut the fuck up when like they the prayer is read and when Bar- when uh, there's a character called baron Rothfogel, which means baron redford the more you know like he was talking i was like i'm not saying anything because i know that that's frowned upon and i was like oh and and, and it didn't really work out because the baron gets mad at you but you know he's murdered yeah. right away so it's fine i think we talked through it yeah you know classic but, but it was like it's a cool little thing like i understand the setting and therefore and like there's a bunch of references to like erasmus which is like a dutch uh christian uh philosopher and like tell Spiegel, which is like a dutch dutch german play and i thought oh that's so cool and i know all this stuff because i am neurodivergent and it's like you know <laughs> it's, it's stuff like that and i'm like yeah that's it's so nice that i get to use to this residual knowledge in a meaningful way for once that, that's great i think going off that it does a very good job at because i'm the flip side so like i this is an era of history that i really hadn't very little prior knowledge in and i think that it it not only kind of teaches you and you pick up bits that are very fun to learn but it doesn't it doesn't feel super dense it does not feel like you're having to walk through a history textbook oh no um it's very all this it's very very clear that the writers and designers of this game like you said, really understood the the history and the time period and everything that you learn and come across feels very natural. It does not feel like here is a huge slab of text about the history of this area and you're going to read it all and remember none of it. It's all sort of fed through very naturally. I think it's really good. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll take that hook uh, and run with <laughs> it because it, it very much, like the way the game works is like, a lot of the times when the characters are talking and whatnot, sometimes certain words are highlighted and stuff. And you, like, press a button and all uh, pull back from the book we are reading uh, of the story of Andreas Mahler. And uh, we have, like, a little, like, almost like if it was a footnote or a, uh, an arrow pointing away, it's like, oh, this is this, 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 this is what it was, or, oh, this person, this, this, and this. And, like, it's, you... you Design-wise, the connection that you have with more information that the game has and is willing to give you is really well tailored. That's like, um, you know, it's very much a footnote. Like if you read an actual book, it's like, okay, but what is this? And you check the footnote. It's like, oh, this, this. Okay, thank you. And it's not because of the design and the visuals of it. It's like you literally pull away from the scene and it's, it's like so you're checking cool. out the margins. It, yeah. It's very yeah. much like it doesn't take out take you out of it. Every single time we would do that, uh, we would like click click the word to figure out what it was, and then we'd we'd go back to the game and we were like, oh wait, wait, go back, look at the the drawings on the side. Like even even checking your glossary feels like a natural part of the game, and it's so well implemented. I I love this game a lot. I <laughs> I think this is one of the, one of my favorite games I've played in a good like a good while. Um, no, I think it does. I think you're right. It does an excellent job at cl- clarifying words doesn't withdraw you from the game. And it, yeah. it looks gorgeous the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
uh, we should note that <laughs> the whole game looks like a medieval illumination. Well, the, I mean, a brief parenthesis, specific types, there are some nuances to it. Uh, you can hear the, the design director, Josh Sawyer, talk about it in a different podcast episode uh, of We're Not So Different, where he, he goes into some detail about that those specific design choices and a lot of the game. It's, it's really interesting, and I think it would it kind of pairs well with this episode that we're doing. The whole game has this visual, and the dialogues sp- particularly, they are tailored to the characters. So, literally, an illiterate peasant, they have this f- freeform cursive. If they are a monk or a, an, an illustrator and a, an illuminate, a, a writer, I forget the specific word of the monks, uh, who who do who work in the scriptorium? Um, they have this very well established writing, and the way that it forms, in, like the dialogue boxes, is just like oh, first the outline, and then there's, it fills in, and it's very visually. This game is astonishing, like just it's how gorgeous. Like <sighs> yeah. yeah, like to indicate like an example of what Frank said, like is is the uh, you hear like a writing noise if like the monks are speaking or like the average person. And there is also a family that the Trocker family, which means printer in German, by the way. <laughs> um, which you know, fair enough. Which is why we have a lot of names nowadays in English as well, like Miller and Baker. These are all like you know descendants from people who were once upon a time occupied that profession. So the Trocker family, like then uh, when they talk, it's like you don't hear it being spelled out or written out. You're just like tunk, and then the text is on screen. Whereas first the text had to appear on screen. By writing, it now is like uh, on screen instantaneously because that's a drug that's like the, the pressing machine, and uh, that, that, which is like one of those things that were like mm-hmm. popping off at that point in time. Like yeah. It was introduced already, but like once again, it didn't ha- reach its full uh, how do you say this potential, I guess. Yeah. Yet. Not and only it- that, I believe near the start of the game, there's a point where Andreas is talking to someone, and I believe it has the sort of like. The, the freehand cursive like uh, script for the text box. And then he says like, oh, I went to this university here and it changes because Andreas's perception of them is changing. Yes. And it's, again, it's one of these super small details that is un- fat, like, you know, mechanically unnecessary, but gives such a lovely insight into how Andreas thinks and views these people and it's again one of these details that just it just rounds out the game perfectly. I mean, as an aside to that, or as a bonus to it, like there are a lot of mistakes in the writings and uh, yeah. typos and stuff. It's like oh, rub it out, or it, sometimes, out. yeah, when the monks sometimes speak and there's a big mistake, like it basically like wipes off and then like starts again, and it's just like, Mwah. yeah, impeccable work. The- the amount of like, the amount of time that w- of, that would have had to go in to this, like I'm I'm by no expert, uh, by no means any sort of expert in game design, um, but just the amount of detail in this game, like the amount of time and effort and, um, extra work that was, uh, but they did it nonetheless, and this game would not be like the writing would still be fantastic without all these details, but the game itself would not be as impactful if it weren't for all these little minute details that just, again, like we said earlier, they use every 
drop of game that they have. Yeah. Uh, they do not waste. They, they do not waste anything, and it's fantastic. It's so nice to see. So uh, who did we? Uh, who did we accuse? Because uh, should there we are preface some... that we're going into spoiler territory? Oh well, yeah. I, I I assumed the most of this. No, would it's be... nice. It's nice. Thank you, Holly. No, no, definitely. Uh, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> I hope you like these twenty-five minutes. <laughs> go play it. It's fine. This yeah, episode go... will be here. Go if play. this yeah. is as much as you're listening to, um, go play this game. It's on. I think it's on Game Pass. Yes, I um, played on Game Pass. It's maybe it's about fine. twenty hours long. Play it. You will. You will thank us for it. It's fantastic. It's also twenty bucks or like fifteen bucks uh, on certain platforms. So it's worth checking out uh, if that's uh, amendable to you. I think it's worth the price personally. It is absolutely. Yeah, it, it is. I guess it is an acquired taste. Like if you just play three D games, action adventures games. Uh, no, I still think you should try it. You know what? Let, let's be, let me be antagonistic. Yeah, fuck, no. you, fuck you and your taste. Go play fuck this. Fuck around and find out. Such a good story. And so, like, I mean, one of the stuff that we're going to... I'm going to preface what we're going to talk about next. Um, and before we go into the spoilers, just to, like, tease you in further to play this game. This game does something extremely bold with a detective narrative. On top of, you know, all the other achievements we've been talking about. It's like, oh, you did that. And um, it's uh, it's not unheard of, of course, but for a video game to do that, I, I think it's uh, one of the f- couple few that maybe do something like this. And it's it, it works well, and it's impressive. Um, and it does it better than other games, but I'll get to it. So yeah, play this game. Play it. Yeah, play this game. Yeah, it, the game is very honest, so you will know if it's not your... Uh, if it's yeah. not your cup of tea, so you can just buy it on Steam. And if it's not your cup of tea, yeah. you you will know within yeah, the time know. allotted within the, within the first couple hours for a refund. Oh. So don't worry about it. Go go, go, nah, go, give go it play it. Go play it. Yeah. So go ahead, Frank. Yeah. Who did you? Who did you <laughs> condemn? <laughs> so uh, to preface how what what exactly we're talking about as well, if you've not played and want to keep listening and don't care about spoilers, uh, okay. Uh, still play. You should still play it. Um, yeah. What happens in the game is that, you know, there's a murder and you being the odd one out and someone who's clearly innocent for one reason or another, you're like, okay, uh, figure this out. Also, the first accuser is a close friend. Uh, so you you want to find out who actually did it. Yes, you're the, the accused is Brother Piero, who is um, who is like a, a very elderly brother at the um, at the monastery who uh gives you some really nice advice about uh because as far as i remember andreas comes here specifically to finish off his like his masterpiece essentially Um, and he's really struggling with it and i think i i think i remember piero giving him the advice the uh loose loose quote was you have to put yourself in this like i don't where are you in this where are you in this (laughs) which is such a oh such a good game um but piero um you're in the middle of something and this baron who is visiting, who is baron of this area, I say, making vague wavy hands, um, is murdered and everyone runs in and see Piero is kind of clutching the knife and he's like, oh, I ran in and I found him. And it's very clear this frail, hunched old man did not kill the baron. But uh, the abbot of the monastery um, he he knows he needs someone. He cannot uh he cannot deliver justice unanswered. So for the meantime, Piero. Uh so you as Andreas are take it upon yourselves to prove his innocence. 
yeah, I think I think it's very interesting then that like there are a couple of things that that Frankie just said as well about like like the quote especially sorry not to Frank I'm sorry Frank <laughs> um, the quote especially of uh, like where are you in it is like once again uh, it's very subtle but if I wanted to we I can jump off of that uh, and like give quite a long uh, monologue about how creation works and how creation can be worthwhile and Pierre mm-hmm. very subtly. And I'm going to just go out on a limb here and say not wholly unintentionally by the writers of the game. Uh, touches upon some very interesting conceptualization of creation and like art yeah. in general and what makes it worthwhile and meaningful and so forth and so on. And I would say I'm comfortable making that claim, even though, once again, I don't know. So disclaimer. Um, <laughs> but I think I feel comfortable assuming that. Let me just say that. Because, once again, if you look at the game itself, it's such a meaningful execution of its own style. And yeah. it has its yeah. own character so profoundly written across the gameplay. And, well, anyway, so so all of that. And um, and so when it comes to, like, uh, how I played the game, it's like I, I was going to be like, uh, um, yeah, sure, I picked, like, the hedonist option and, like, the talk, uh, the, the persuade option, whatever. <laughs> so it was a bit of a fuckboy. But my Andrea still had a good heart, okay? So he, mm-hmm. like, went off on, like, the accusation of Pierre. So that was not the most tactful thing to do, but I chose to role play and be like, you know, Andrea's going to be mad at this. Yeah. And the game finds a very well, very acceptable, in my humble opinion, um, balance between, uh, this is not the right word, but punishment for that, because I knew it was untactical. I knew Your I actions have consequences? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the telltale as... It's not optimal. They will re- fa- uh, the abbot will remember this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It allows you to like do stuff, but you're never punished too severely for that if you yeah. pay attention. There are yeah. there are uh, there are um, consequences for your actions, but it never feels like the game is saying mm, you made the wrong choice, so you're getting punished for it. If you had chosen this choice, it would have been way easier. Um, it is much more complex and subtle than that. And a lot yeah. of times, the game this game is not telling you. Um, well, because Obsidian did uh, Outer, Outer Worlds, right? Uh, yes. Yes. Um, and I think the writing in those two, these, these two games is night and day, considering I... how in Outer Worlds, it's very like, okay, you have... Uh, option you know, A, option B, and good option. Yeah, or like an option between them. Yeah. Um, That's the optimal option. The optimal option. Yeah. Uh, for also for the record, um, was it the Bioware episode? Uh, Leon mentioned. Oh, I <laughs> no, had a friend no. <laughs> who uh, looked up uh, the optimal like thing because she wanted. Mm-hmm. It was me. I wear mm-hmm. my shame proudly. <laughs> it was me. He can. Next time you put me on blast, use my name, coward. <laughs> yes, optimal writing. Um, this game is very good at letting you choose if you made the right choice or not. Um, it does not try and impose its own morals on you. Um, yeah. And I yeah, think it just shows you, at worst, it shows you that your actions have consequences. Yeah. Which is, I think, something that Frank and I recently like talked about. Um, yeah. on, like, once again, mainly the Bioware episode, uh, how <laughs> these consequences sometimes feel really flat because a plot needs to happen. Yeah. Like, you know, you're endowed with divine purpose, therefore you can keep on going. Yeah, and yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, because it's it, already decided that Shepard's going to save the galaxy. Therefore, yeah, uh, it feels like sometimes a game feels a game with choices. It feels like um, the choices are built around the main plot that they want, 
where yeah. oh i want this storyline and these choices just kind of go around it this feels like the opposite this feels like the choices were kind of built and then the plot was weaved through it um it's much less it's much less straightforward of oh you picked good you picked bad you picked okay i guess um and depending on who you you know who you as andreas decide to condemn it can have long lasting effects not only not only on the main plot as a whole but also on like little details for the town as you go to act two and act three um which was one of our favorite details was seeing was not only seeing how things changed but trying to think like oh if we had chosen different how would have things changed differently instead so who did you accuse now who did you uh uh did you point out hmm? we accused uh Ferenc, who is the prior who was uh we found evidence of him practicing uh as the game puts it like like witchcraft dark magic etc etc um we... So you condemn those who you don't understand, huh? That's interesting. Look, it was <laughs> it was a strange. tough choice. We <laughs> labored over it for a long time. It okay. it did not come easy. Hmm. Um, what about you, Frank? Who did you choose? I I, pick, I picked Ferenc as well. Leon. Uh, I I picked Otelia. Oh really? Because oh, she is not affiliated with anyone. And I thought she was the same. Because I once again I didn't think that the the first round. Was gonna allow me to pick the actual murderer, mm-hmm. so I was like, Athelia, once again, well, nobody's you... gonna be too mad if I pick her." Well, so that, well, I don't know. I think it worked out great for me. Talking so. about the the actual, actual murderer, murderer. <laughs> yeah, who, well... who truly is. No, I like I like that when you obviously. So I believe there's four four choices in Act One, because you can either do Ferenc, Otilia, you can yeah. do. Uh, sister, yeah, sister Matilda. Okay. Um, or who's the who's the last one? Uh, Lucky. Lucky, yes, Lucky, who is a stonemason in town. Um, you choose. So essentially, you can choose to you as you go through the game. You you know you run around, you talk to people, you investigate, and um, you gather your evidence, and after. I think it's three days. Um, a judge or a, a judge-like figure comes to kind of deliver a verdict, and you can Adjudicator. present him. Yes, it's it's the <laughs> prince bishop in this case, isn't it? I don't remember. It's been a while. Some <laughs> some man with authority rocks up to the yeah, abbey and basically. goes, "All right, who did it? Who done it? No one. Look, I'm gonna we're gonna condemn this old this this poor old monk if you don't bring anyone forward." Um, and you you choose someone and they do get executed um i believe they are hanged no no it's a it's they get their they're beheaded i think Mm. i can't remember actually (laughs) they get killed they get uh, yeah they die they They, die (laughs) thank you leon um but the game never really says like oh that was that was the wrong person you chose wrong um and it never does it never clarifies you you go through the whole game. Could have been the it could have been one of the others. They all you essentially learn that they all have motives and they have all been sent a note, which we'll get back to. Um sort of, you know, egging them on essentially. Sort of, oh if if um 
they all they all had some motive to kill the Baron. Uh, Ferenc, I believe, was working with him, or the Baron knew that Ferenc was practicing this magic, and he kind of threatened to rat him out. Um, Matilda, I believe, I can't remember. I can't remember the exact circumstances, but I know that the Baron had hurt her in some yeah. way, um, and she had to go away for a couple months. Um, I believe. Uh, the Baron is essentially the reason that Lucky lost his daughter, who I believe was a sister at the Abbey, and the Baron presumably hurt her worse. Um, and Otilia is a... Um, her a, husband uh, died? As a... Yeah, she's, she's, a, she's a widow um, who's very ostracized by the town, who still practices the uh the old ways yeah i think it's very interesting that it allowed for some relevance for a bunch of things mainly like it's paganistic uh uh, charge of like certain characters mainly uh because i was like oh yeah christianity rooted out paganism like entirely by the year i don't know (laughs) 1000 or something it's like well actually it's a bit more nuanced as all things are once again i'm not downplaying the horrendous activities of the church by forceful conversion oh, yeah. all over the continent of Europe and some other places as well later on due to, due to colonialism and so forth and so on. And uh, which reminds me that it, it, the game also understands that uh, we already had international communities, communities and uh, some kind of like global interactions by like the uh, Ethiopian monk that shows up to the monastery as well, which was yeah. such a nice addition because yeah, that happened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and uh, I think that's cool. Um, which it, as a as a side note, that yeah. bit where he tells the story, gorgeous, absolutely yeah. gorgeous, oh, perfect. It's yeah. so good. And um, is it uh, Ursula stealing your hat, and then she still has it in the neck? Oh, sorry. It's yeah. it's again gorgeous game. <laughs> minute detail details are just fantastic. Yeah, like in many details that uh, Andreas when he's inside, he takes off his hat because that's <laughs> like there's a Christian thing, which is one. Uh, not to make this a, a sad thing, but um, that's like where a lot of hatred against Jewish people came from because Jewish people don't take off their hats because that's disrespecting their religion. And like, uh, <laughs> it's like, well, why do you never take off your hats? That's weird. That's weird. <laughs> like, boo, boo to Jews. And that's like, that's kind of the Christian, uh, <laughs> not so nuanced response to that. But um, once again, that was just like a tiny little, like, you know, like, oh, hey, I can enjoy that because I know that about the setting. So once again, it, it understands its own setting so fucking well. It's, it's really impressive. Oh, yes. And uh, I think especially on that point of like, you know, there's there are still people who worship with varying degrees of commitment uh, these pagan traditions. They are spread out. And more than that, different people react to that differently. As you know, people did and people do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, what do you mean um, there was no universality in 1500s Bavaria? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a very funny, it's a funny thing because uh, 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 you know I I say this a lot uh, for better and worse. Uh, I'm a practicing Roman Catholic, and it, recently, but though this is a kind of common thing, you know, pre, uh, priests saying something along the lines, of, "Oh, everyone today's got an opinion and whatnot," and I was like. Well, everyone always, always has had yeah. one. People are just a bit less afraid to talk about it now. Yeah. yeah. For and for better or for worse. And that, once again, seemingly configures so well into a thing that I'm always very bothered by, which is like uh, people responding 
Like, well, of course, you're, you're, you're like uh, the medieval story is going to be about the nobles. The, the peasants and the non-nobles never did anything interesting. And I'm like, ah, mm, no, actually, they were human beings who yeah. had the capacity of crafting interesting stories, mm-hmm. even back then. So, yeah, yeah. Once again, humans are already worthwhile unto themselves, and doesn't there does there's no need, and that's a very subtle because it sounds like a simple material argument, but I would argue that it like uh, is like indicative of this I don't know this kind of elitist um, this elitist perspective of storytelling. Not to don't worry, I'm not going to talk about Joe Campbell again, but uh, it's <laughs> Joseph Campbell. But, but once again, we talked about that as well, that, you know, you always have to be an important person in these, uh, in the hero story and so forth and so on. And anyway, this is, uh, I think this so very well demonstrates that that's bullshit and has always been bullshit. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, if you see people engaging with their own faith differently, like there's no such things like, oh, this widespread blind belief It's like, no. People are are thinking about it, and more than that, people react differently to Luther, for example, uh, but bo- bo- both in wanting and not wanting to talk about it, and it's like, well, yeah, he makes some good points, but like, mm, I don't know. But also, it's like, yeah, no, it's solid. But it's like, there's you know, people being people and having doubts and uncertainty and not having a clear, absolute, univocal beliefs, because that's never a thing, or rarely. Yeah, and even then, when it is a thing, it's very local. Yeah, it's not widespread. Never, there is no such thing as widespread univocality. Yeah, it's, I think that's very important uh, <laughs> distinction and the thing that the game understands, which is kind of what I uh, once again decried in the Mass Effect episode. Didn't think Mass Effect would be the counter to this game, by the way. But okay, here we are. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a good comparison. <laughs> yeah, apparently, the 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 trilogy space sci fi shooter action adventure game. Contrast to medieval, real, uh, realistic, and so forth. So, oh yeah. So in in the uh, Mass Effect episode, I talked about like how do uh, uh, north of the equator Turians feel about south of the equator Turians, and it very um, it, it tells the story that's so grand this game, whilst literally just taking place in one fucking village. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Mass Effect needs like whole new worlds and so forth and so on, and that's fine. I love going to new worlds in Mass Effect. But once again, it, it by doing that, they need they approach their own settings with such dreadful simplicity that mm-hmm. I think this game very like amazingly deconstructs. Speaking of uh, Bioware, I think this <laughs> game benefits from something that uh, Dragon Age Two really benefits, as you said, sticking to the one location the whole time, uh, and especially uh, in this game where there is some some time jumps, uh, yeah. you really get to see not only how time affects both the village and the people but how you and your choices affect the village and the people and how those relationships grow over time and the entire town feels extremely fleshed out and um very again very well written in the fact that all these characters are people there's there's no even the characters that never have any importance to a major plot line or give you uh, an important piece of evidence. Uh, there is still effort put into them. It's not like oh okay this is a major NPC and this is a minor NPC. Um, they are all people in this town, and you really get to say see the way your effect ripples out, um, like across years across generations. Um, a lot of there's there's a lot of kids when you first enter the town and over the span of the game you see them grow into adults into like 
you know, to yeah. like from like toddlers to like young young kids into full adults and the lives that they lead after that. And you see a direct influence on them from yourself. Uh, the one we really liked was Paul, who uh, yeah. was the Miller son, who when you first meet him as Andreas, he is a young, maybe like five or six year old boy who loves art, but his father, uh, I, I don't remember his name. I just remember we hated him. Uh, <laughs> Lemar, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, he re- absolutely refuses to let Paul pursue anything to do with art uh, to the point where he has to run off and hide in the some of the old Roman ruins around this town to kind of scratch drawings on the wall. And you as Andreas can choose to sort of encourage that. And at least in our playthrough, we were like, no, no, keep up, you know, keep at it, you know, keep at your art. And by the end of the game, not only does is he and his mother living free of their of their father's sort of uh rule but he has two children who he is being he is able to be the father that he never had and encourage their art and you know hang their he hangs their art up on the wall it was one of the little details we really liked in their house that he he takes their art and he hangs it on the wall um and it's just those little again little unimportant details but that they add so much to the overall feeling of this town is really alive. You see it and you feel it kind of change and grow and the hardships it goes through. And I think especially the comparison between act two and act three, after everything that the town goes through in act two, when uh, people are very poor, there's not a lot of food. uh, The Abbey at that point is putting a lot of restrictions on hunting and gathering. Uh, They're no longer able to pay taxes uh, partly in wheat or crops, which they were previously allowed to do. Um, and then you kind of come back in Act 3 and things seem a lot more stable and there is uh, an excess of bread, which was unthinkable in the second act. And it yeah. you feel such a palpable relief to know that this town has survived and these people are surviving, um, which I think is, an atte- is, a, is a, a testament to how well written they are is that you know you go around you talk to everyone and you you genuinely like hope and wish for them to be okay for for things to be okay in the end definitely germans love their blood <laughs> <laughs> they're really into it now that it's it's a meme in like our our circle of the world that like germans like you know are never happy with how the bread policy is somewhere else okay when they go to the grocery store it's like is that all the bread you have and like there's an entire wall of different breads that you can have and like you know in Germany. It doesn't matter anyway. But yeah, that's they, they really love their bread. But yeah, it, it's it shows like this so such a sincere dynamic of community and how meaningful it is. Um like a take that I sadly haven't seen a lot is that uh, Pentiment is an A gap game. And what I mean with that is that it shows the power of community and community protecting and looking out for each other. Yeah. And that cops are not necessarily always needed because, once again, they solve two murders and a bunch of events without cops. So I think that, you know, it's, it's a very anything. subtle anti or like a, it's a very subtle a cap uh, uh, argument of game. If anything, the uh, the quote unquote, the, you know, the, the medieval cops roll up and just make things worse, frankly. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I'll take that and just talk briefly about Act Two since we talked about Act One. Yes. Uh, in Act Two, in this 
general scenario of uh, poverty uh, and scarcity for basically throughout, um, well, uh, the peasants are organizing uh, pretty much as, as they should have done and as they were doing. But uh, their main uh, leader is killed uh, in a... Uh, yeah, he's killed uh, in a <laughs> similar... Well, I was going to say in a similar scenario to the first one, whereas a bunch of different people received some uh, pretty poignant letters pointing that's like, no, you, that person should die. Otherwise, these all horrible, terrible things will happen. So um, uh, I like Andreas calls him the, the Fred Puller. Or them, rather. And yeah. he... Because you can't call like, him the Weaver, because that, that's already been taken in every other fantasy. Uh, <laughs> or the puppeteer, the, or the puppet yeah, master. Yeah, no, it's a Fred Puller, which is like, mwah, chef's kiss. Um, Good job. Good job. And you and it, he was also a very close personal friend to you, the, the murdered one in this case. And you want to find out because uh, the, the peasants are pretty riled up at this point and uh the the monks have because they suspect that one of the monks was involved in the murder and they have effectively sequestered themselves inside the monastery or the scriptorium the, the library even and you you try and, and figure out and apparently like soldiers are coming uh because uh, this situation is unacceptable and uh ooh, it, it's all looking pretty terrible and uh, once again, you find, uh, what is it, like three or maybe four different people? Uh, who is it? Um, so it's, it's like Guy, Hannah, Guy, Hannah, um, Martin, Martin, big quotation modes, Martin. <laughs> um, I can't remember who the other one was. Ooh. <laughs> I think that's it. No, I think it's just the three. Maybe it's just three. I it think it's just enough. those three. <laughs> and they all have plenty of motive, plenty of opportunity, and uh, you don't know. So you, yeah. at, at the end, you accuse one of them. Regardless, though, whether you, the the peasants end up marching up to the monastery or to the library, and uh, you know you you get everyone out, and the soldiers are coming and whatnot, and uh, uh, one of them sets the library on fire. Yes, they. Uh, through the whole of Act 2, once they essentially have the monks sequestered, uh, they're basically um, the the kind of the, the second in command that takes command after Otto, the leader, dies, is killed. Um, he said, basically says to Andreas, like, alright, you've got like a couple days, but if you don't bring me someone who's responsible for this, we're burning this, we're burning it down. Like, we're, yeah. we're, we're taking them. Um, and you know, you present and despite your best intentions the soldiers arrive people are killed and the abbey is burnt down um and andreas who it's really interesting seeing the difference between first act andreas and second act andreas but he's oh yeah he is a very different person at this point i think this is i want to say seven years pass between act one and act two that's how that number sounds about right to me um might be but he has clearly so he he has found success he has found success in his art he is um popular he is you know he has a lot of commissions you know he he's not having to um struggle the way he once did 
No um, longer journeyman. Mm-hmm. No longer journeyman. No longer journeyman. I don't like how this game played on my anxiety, but I will circle back to that <laughs> later. It's, uh, um, there was this very throwaway line like, oh, you're still a journeyman? I was like, shut the fuck up. Shut, shut, shut. <laughs> um, and you come back, you know, you're 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 essentially you're essentially rich and famous andreas you know but he has clearly lost a lot you kind of you put together that his marriage with his wife is failing um and they unfortunately lost their son who i it's kind of implied he was quite young maybe five or six when they lost him um and he is he is definitely a again depending how you play him um he can he can be a very bitter broken man and so when when he sees these books you know he's always loved books when he sees them burning he runs into the burning library as the monastery collapses and that's the end of the act and uh it's very interesting uh how that leads into act three um but yeah who did you who did you guys pick to die in the second act i picked I picked Hannah, who was uh, the uh, the one responsible because one of the changes in Act Two is there's now a like a tavern thing, uh, the Golden Hand Inn, I believe. Yes, yeah. exactly. And uh, she was also she had an affair with the with the Miller, the terrible, terrible Miller, um, terrible, terrible Miller. <laughs> and um. Um, yeah, I uh, you know I, I accuse her, and uh, she ran off to the Miller. And uh, they both died. <laughs> yes. Um, I picked... We, well, I say we. I was not playing this alone. I have a little bit of... <laughs> I, I can spread the blame a little bit. Um, we picked uh, Brother Guy. Oh, no. Who... Um, who Fuck him. Uh, in the first act, <laughs> is a fellow... Uh, is a fellow kind of... You know, he's a, he's a monk at the monastery. And... And I don't know how this plays out when you don't when you don't uh, choose to kill Prior Ferenc, but in our playthrough, Prior Ferenc died or was executed, so another brother had to take his role as Prior, and uh, the position of treasurer basically needed filled, so he became the treasurer, and um, we found that he was sequestering funds and sending them somewhere. We did not really find out where he was sending them. We never got that far, which we we learned after we played the game, and we felt a, a little bad about that. But that's how these games go. Um, yeah, because in our mind, we picked him because okay, the town is clearly in financial is in dire financial straits. Is he is he only making it worse by taking funds from the abbey and putting it somewhere else? In reality the abbot was eating grand meals the whole time and the peasants were starving. Um, yeah. What about you, Leon? Who did you pick? So I wanted to pick Guy, but I misclicked and clicked Hannah. No. Oh, oh <laughs> interesting. Okay. Because I still have my... I, so I have a like, controller and I was playing on the controller, but I bumped into my mouse. Mm-hmm. So it like switched oh, to wow. like... <laughs> so it was like some divine intervention. It's um, Or just my elbow. Yeah. Whatever you like. I think we again we never discovered this in game, but I believe it's 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 hinted at subtly through Act One and Act Two both. Um, but I believe Guy 
is actually or has Jewish family, I believe. Um, yeah, from, from what I read, because I also I I didn't pick him, but I was like I was reading about it. And I was like, apparently mm-hmm. he he was fueling money to help uh, uh, Jewish refugees, effect- yes. effectively. Yes, which we found out. We were like, oh no. <laughs> Well, huh, maybe... funny that Holly. Funny <laughs> that that it happens. Keeps Whoops. happening to you, Holly. Um. Uh, but again, that's part why these games are so fun because, yeah, you know, all of these, all of these people had, you know, different kind of motives and can all be, at least slightly understood from different, you know, depending how you look at them. My ancestors interfered. I was like Hannah. <laughs> yeah, they were like, no, 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 no. This you don't want this, Leon. Trust. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they they knew. They knew. Yeah, they knew. <laughs> so, um, I'm going to have to be annoying and ask you, what um, <clears throat> what uh, what voice does uh, Brother Thomas have? What is like, uh, how did he sound in? Uh, oh, oh. So. We 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 voiced all our characters. We we uh, oh, three yeah. of us played That's them this fall. That's why I'm asking. Um, I think I think uh, I think we we gave him bit of a bit of a this voice, bit of a oh yes, God, do you will if you you've confessed your sins, you will be forgiven. Okay. Um, I think that's that's kind of what we went for. Again, it's been a while. <laughs> I I think in my head he was something along the lines of Oh, Andreas. Well, how nice. Wouldn't you come to confession today? Yeah. Somehow soft, but somehow also extremely condescending. Yeah, Yeah. it's really funny because we are kind of on the... We are are pretty approximate, I would say. Because I went with like... uh, Like... uh, Oh, hello, Andreas. Like a grown-up Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) So you described it to me (laughs) earlier. And it's like, you know... I like honey and lectures. <laughs> and I, I, I was deeply mistrustful of uh, Thomas because once again, when the first murder happened, I, uh, of course I didn't like Ferenc. And uh, Ferenc? Ferenc? Ferenc. That one. Anyway, the asshole. And if you're mean to brother, brother Piero, then I don't trust you. Exactly. That's, 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 yeah. that's the rule. Yeah. Uh, the other brother, the one the stick is fine as well. I like him. But uh, brother Piero really steals the show. And more about that later. But it's... Um, I didn't like him, but I was like, no, that's too obvious. That's too obvious. Like, I, I was like, I love games that where I am fighting with the developers in a very abstract way. Like, I'm, <laughs> I get, I'm having imaginary arguments with like the developer team. Like, you no, you made the, this too obvious. Like, no, this can't be it. You are the Charlie Day meme from Always Sunny with the board behind you. Oh yeah, you. but yeah. I was right though. I, yeah, I was right because yeah. because uh, uh, and. <laughs> So because I gave him a Winnie the Pooh voice, and recently this this uh, this uh, this copyright expired movie came out called Blood and Honey or something, which is like which casts Pooh Bear as a serial killer or something. So yeah. like subconsciously I was like gearing towards that. But what I gave it like what gave me the suspicion is um, him being very demonstrative about his virtue. It's like oh I will leave as well during the dinner and like i won't be a part of it look i'm taking care of this crazy woman isn't she crazy i'm so great that i'm taking care of this fucking crazy woman and locked in a locked in a in a stone cell next to the church 
Yeah, no, don't worry. It's super consensual. It's super and, cool. Super yeah. fine. Good vibes. We're all having women good time here. be locked in monasteries, <laughs> and that's that's just what women do. Women be prophesizing. Yeah, they also be prophesizing <laughs> safely. Read not not so we can write it down. And don't worry, we will just filter out anything we don't like. Yeah, just like we did with the women prophets that were supposedly in the Bible. Don't worry about it. Um, it's you know, and all that all that stuff. And I think. Another thing that I really, really liked because um, I think what intimidates a bunch of people, me included, upon, once upon a time, about like murder mysteries is that I'm always afraid of missing out. I'm always afraid of like mm. doing it wrong. Yes. And the game is like, if you even, you, know, you do have to pay a little bit of attention, but if you don't have to, and this is coming from someone who's real with ADHD, by the way. So if I can do it, you can do it too. And it was like, it is so, it isolates its activities. But they are so clearly interwoven with each other, namely, like for example, it's like uh, first act beginning, so not, not a big spoiler. But uh, you can walk to once again Frenick's house, and there's this weird disc that looks very occult. And then later on, or like depending on when you find this the stuff, but there's a separate event where Frenick is like very like suspiciously writing in a book and whatnot. It's like, hey, these two things are probably somewhat related to each other. <laughs> and so if you just pay that minimum amount of attention, you can get a whole lot out of the game. And you, you'll 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 do fine, I think, I would argue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for for always, you know, spo- we're always in spoiler territory. Yeah. Um it, it does turn out that Father Thomas is the one who is who is sending these um these notes sort of egging people on. Um but I, I'm very curious to ask you because uh, Leon, you've already kind of said. But Frank, at what point did you, did you kind of click? Like, at what point did you start to suspect? I don't think I ever did. Really? Yeah, I think it was only at the end. It's like, what, what Thomas? What? We, our our group that played, we were suspicious near the start because it's very. It's once we start finding notes. And Andreas kind of makes it clear that, okay, this is very good handwriting. You know, this is very trained practice script, but it's not a color or handwriting that I recognize from the scriptorium. Yeah. And so we were just going around and I believe that Father Thomas mentions that he writes down all the uh, prophecies that um, the sister who, I, I can't remember the, the proper name for it, but she's essentially sequestered in this little adjoining yeah. like completely bricked off like cell next to the church and she receives visions um and he writes them down and i was like he writes them like okay so he's he must be educated enough to like i think i think you know maybe it's him and that through line kind of followed and with every plot point that happened it kind of clicked more and more uh so mm. we felt very vindicated when we were right in the end um <laughs> Because that's the kind of people we are. When when we when we make a guess and it's right, we take pride in that. Nice. Yeah. It's the it's the little things. But even then, he wasn't the one making the notes. No, he not really. He wasn't. Yeah. Well, he wasn't the one delivering them. No, I think. Well, no, I think he was the one delivering them. But uh, he made Sister Amali, the one who stayed uh, sequestered, mm-hmm. uh, write them in because she. And that's when when you eventually like you find out something about her past or something, and you find out that oh she used to write, and when you talk to her as Andrea, it's like her you know regular cursive writing becomes this extremely flourished purple colored yeah. uh, writing, 
and uh, a gothic typing and it's like whoa and then you find out it's thomas and it's like oh he's the one that's been he's the fred puller all along yeah he's been he was manipulating her because she i believe she she was the one who delivered them because mm. i remember specifically i think it's it's uh matilda says like, oh there was a smell of like um incense and rubble because she mm. she's like she's also like a contortionist or something it's it to be fair <laughs> it is the one thing that's mentioned like really late on as you're discovering this like oh also i'm very i'm very flexible so she could fit through like um essentially the the rubble of these ancient ruins and these like uh there's a there's a like an aqueduct and there's an old there's a a temple or down there and uh but father thomas essentially manipulates her into thinking that these that she is having visions when she does this Mm -hmm. um and she kind of she kind of comes to uh a bit too late at the end yeah uh, in Act Three, where you play as where you play as someone very different, you do. There is a young child when you start the game, uh, 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 of the, um, of the printer family, um, and you play as her as a approximately, I want to say eighteen, eighteen or nineteen year old, because there's there's a big time jump between Act Two and Act Three. Um, but she is she's a young baby um, in Act Two, <laughs> and you play as her, and you are tasked after your after after your father is um, attacked yeah. in his home after receiving one of these notes. Uh, you are tasked with painting the mural for the new the rat house the the town hall, and as Magdalene, you get to investigate the history of it's. It's fun because this point at this point you're not just investigating a murder you are or an attempted murder you are investigating the history of tassing and you yeah. get to choose what history is told. Um and we thought it was it's it was very very cool again about how your choices will ripple That's through. That's how sources work by the way. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's a big problem in historical sources yeah. by the way. <laughs> but sorry, continue. Um No, I was just saying that like, that's you play as her in the second act and it's or the third act. And it's interesting again, because you see a very different, it's a very different vibe to, to use the technical term, very different vibe. Um, because when you play as Andreas, you are an outsider to this town and some people will accept you a lot more easily than others. But when you play as Magdalene, you have been here your whole life and people talk to you and treat you very differently. Um, and you see, you kind of see a different side to the town and again the these these characters in this in tassing and the monastery just are kind of forever growing and developing and blooming it's very very cool it's interesting as well because as andreas like the way time passes throughout the day is you it's like these it's the the monkish hours so you have like the period of prayer, the period of meal, the period of sleeping, the early morning, like it's very specific names and terms and periods of what you should do according to at the very least the Bene- the Benedictine order. Uh, I think that's the, the primary one. Yeah. Uh, and as Magdalene, it's like a watch. It's like a, a clock, a, mm-hmm. a mechanical clock. It's like, oh, it's this time and this day and it's 
pretty nice. It's it, it's like it's both a different character who has a different relationship to this place, but it has also a different relationship with its own time. Mm-hmm. Again, okay. more more subtle design choices that yeah. really reflect like uh, th- this game is a very good example of show not tell. Um, yeah, because it is so visually striking, and it, things like that. How the clock changes, uh, little things that are just crucial into uh, highlighting the differences in these these two protagonists uh, something that i want to mention before we we keep keep, keep uh, moving on about father thomas and this idea of the fred baller it's very common in detective stories and whatnot you know a big conspiracy and whatnot in video games though i think this is very interesting because it gets it it has it both ways and it works because none of the previous murders fe- feel like, oh, it was all Father Thomas. I was all wrong. It uh, it didn't matter. It's like, oh, this is the real culprit all along. I was always accusing a, a wrong person. But that's not the case. Since you never really know who killed the other people back then, uh, you you do know that Father Thomas was like egging them on and, you know, orchestrating the whole thing. But it's it manages to keep it that, even though, on the one hand, you don't know. You really don't know who committed these murders. You have some more convincing cases for one thing or another, but you you have no clue, and you tried your best. Uh, and still, the game manages to keep the conspiracy as a thing and something that's convincing. Because um, my the counterexample that I give, and it's big spoilers, well, it, it's some spoilers um, for a 12-year-old game at this point, which is a L.A. Noir. Because in L.A. Noir, from a certain point in the game, you find out it's like, oh, these previous three or four murders were actually a conspiracy committed by this extra person. And that's like, oh, so there was no way of winning or there was no way of properly investigating it back then. So it was all, it was, it was like a doomed to fail thing. And it's like, mm-hmm. eh. in this case, it's like, it's sorry. Bad, I'm so sorry. It's such a bad game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like being misfeared, but it's not a good game. <laughs> But uh, like, it's it's also how about you suck all the tension out of interrogation by having the guy look like <laughs> <laughs> like while you interview them. It's like come on now, that's not okay. Well, anyway. <laughs> Once again, a way that that, that Benjamin's uh, choice of aestheticism works amazingly for its own setting. Because once again, characters are just well drawn and they have ambitious animations and emotions and whatnot, but they are not like compromised by doing mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. So anyway. <laughs> Sorry, not, yeah, only, just game. not only the characters well drawn, uh, as characters age, uh, they they it's, it's like the paper they are drawn on is faded, the ink is faded. Um, characters from different regions of the world have slightly different art styles. Um, yes. The children look a bit different from the adults, who look a bit different to the the elderly. Um, it's it's so intricately thought out. Uh, there is so much visual storytelling in this game. Um, it's very, very cool. So, it's my summary for this entire game. It's just, it's just really cool. Cool, like, man. It's yeah. It's cool. Oh, yeah. And it um, is. Yeah. Do you, you want to say something, Frank? Or can I get into the whole uh, pretentious stuff? Uh, no. <laughs> you, you can. Um, I, I just, uh, I think my last point on that is that, like, um, it's an interesting way to both create an interesting conspiracy and something that you want to find out more about while not invalidating your choices and your game and your gameplay while still 
creating an interesting detective story where it's like, you know what? Those murders, you don't know who did them. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who did it. It matters who you accuse and who you effectively condemn to their death. Um, Your actions and consequences matter more than just like, oh, but he was the guilty one. He is the... No, you you don't get that luxury. You get a choice. You you have some time to try and figure this out best you can. And then you decide. And uh, who really did it? We'll never know. And the game yeah. w- will never tell you, which is one of its, I think, greatest achievements. Like, yes. it dares to, like, yeah, you don't know. You never know. Live with it. Yeah, it is It is completely up to you whether you believe, uh, if you're willing to believe that you made the right choice. It would have been really easy for the game to go, oh, it was actually, it was actually Father Thomas who killed everyone. He was, he, you know, you actually condemned innocent people. Um, he He has never... I believe until the only person he actually tries tries to kill physically himself is uh, Magdalene's father um, in the third act. And he fails okay. at it because, you know, Father Thomas is an older man, especially at this point. Um, but as far you, if you want to, you can believe that you did in fact choose the right person. And, yeah. you know, whether their motives are correct or not, you could believe, no, I think I picked the right murder, but the, that, the game isn't going to tell that for you. You have to decide that for yourself. And it's absolutely a huge strength to it. Yeah. Yeah. And to like uh, go off with that, it's um, what I really liked is that, and we talked a bit about this before, Frank and I, and mm-hmm. that is how religion is often depicted in a very insincere way. Um, mm-hmm. Surprise, surprise, back on my, because <laughs> of my very specific cultural background, I necessarily don't like capital C's church very much uh, for Fair. historical reasons. And like, you know, no offense, but once again, yeah. I, I do mm-hmm. have, I, I thought once again, for the longest time of my life, I thought that the love of my life was a Catholic woman. And my, one of my best friends is Frank, who is a Catholic. And once again, my favorite set of grandparents were Catholics. Uh, rest in peace. And all that stuff. And it's like, you know, so wh- when I say that, it's not coming from a perspective to pick a fight. And I mm-hmm. think when then uh, mainly <laughs> either Christianity or a company of fucking defending Christianity. But um, uh, mainly when Christianity or like not Christianity, and I like I'm referring to like I don't know, um, uh, it's not necessarily a great example, but like uh, the House of the Maker in or Chantry in Dragon Age or from Bioware or uh, like you know a very very thinly filled uh, yeah. or like the Religion of the Seven in in Song of Ice and Fire, what's it? Extremely thinly veils, uh, the most devout. Wow, well, I wonder what possession that would be. The high septon. Well, I wonder what. Okay, anyway. Um, so <laughs> I'm so sorry, everyone, but I I really like this very very nuanced mature perception of religion, and in in this case, once again, uh, Catholicism or Christianity, mainly that um, there's like the, the sincere approach to this religion religious community, which then depicts uh, people like Thomas and Frenick, which are. Then the bad apples, you have the good apples that are Piero and whatnot, uh, and the other old guy and a couple of others. And then there are just like apples, uh, <laughs> which sounds really stupid, I know. But like Mathieu is, is annoying, but he's not a bad guy, I think. Um, and a bunch of others, like they, they're just people, which surprise, surprise, that's what they were. And we should yeah. not forget the constructivist vision of them also being part of capital C church. But once again, I think it's very meaningful to like, approach them as individuals in this very uh, specific, uh, specific scenario, which is fine because, once again, the game has such a thorough commitment to its one village setting. And then you're allowed yeah. to approach the, the church 
by its individuals because the capital C church is not at play. It's not a very metacontextual story. It is precisely its strength is exactly the opposite. It's direct relations between you, community, and then those relations talk to each other. Namely, Andreas eventually becomes part of community and so forth and so on. And yeah, I don't know. So <laughs> to, to, to go on a little bit longer, I'm so sorry. But um, to like what I talked about earlier with uh, Piero saying, like, where are you in the creation? And I think that, you know, I think that's very important uh, because by that we are stumbling upon not only how do we make art meaningful, but we also are stumbling upon an answer of what it means to be a social animal, what we call. And I don't like the terminology, <laughs> but once again, people refer to you as the social animals. And uh, I'm going to go and roll with it because I already have enough to say, so don't worry. So then the process of like being a social animal and Andreas's character is always influenced by the reaction of others to his words and actions, illustrating that being social is a form of abstract creation, both in creating of relation and of work of art, namely, uh, <laughs> almost said Del Piero, uh, brother Piero, um, like gives Andreas advice and they have a relation which allows Andreas to become a better artist. So both in a very physical and abstract emotional way, we have we are creating relation. And we are therefore also creating character. And I, I don't know. I think that's uh <laughs> I think that's very important. And it shows that and uh, this is good personal conviction, not not necessarily a academic conviction or whatever. But I always believe that character is always a part of the genesis of creation. Namely that if you want to create something that's worthwhile and meaningful, it has to show character. That's a very vague, abstract term, I know. But <laughs> the whole point is that we cannot really fill that in very well. So we have to be careful with like what to use. And I think character is a great way to understand it, not in the personal sense, but in character generated through meaningless of creation. Yeah, no, I I absolutely agree. Like it's, and and it, it it's interesting how Pentiment does it for both its many, many characters and its own setting, like Tassing becomes becomes a place. Like the the place be- gets this character of a place, really, of a village of the lives that uh, intermingle, that the history that it has, it has had and is having, uh, the people that have passed and are passing through it. It's it's full of that, and I think this game manages to really accomplish what it sets out that's like yeah no this this feels so genuine this feels so clear that's like no this um maybe this exact story or these exact stories or these exact people didn't happen but it's easier to imagine how many other similar ones might have definitely and i think it's um it understands it so beautifully well because Andreas cannot literally become or get a proper sense of who he is without the others around to show him. And once again, that that's so wonderfully done. That you know, I really like that. And it's really refreshing to like because sorry once again to draw the comparison to Mass Effect. The <laughs> Shepherd is already great. Yeah, we we are yeah. we may have made great she- we have made Shepherd great by selecting War Hero option or Ruthless or whatever whatever his origin story is. Whereas the origin stories here are just. Your, you know, once again, your past, and d- therefore an abstract set of tools to make yourself great in combination with society. Yeah, you really, you really determine kind of who your Andreas is as you go. Like again, determining on 
the answers you give um specifically in the second act when so in the, in act two uh you as andreas have a uh when you you essentially you come back to tasling because brother pierre has passed away and you you've been gone for seven years and you left and it was very it's like when you leave a job and you're like yeah yeah, yeah i'll keep in touch i'll definitely keep in touch <laughs> and then you don't speak to him for seven years um so he finally comes back and he is again this is how we played him um kind of sorry that he didn't write especially because there has been yes, people he considered friends who have lost like wives um kids and he just kind of was never there for them uh, but when you travel back you have a young apprentice caspar um and you again depending on how you play your andreas you can be this uh bitter broken artist who sees no hope in the world who is who who does not encourage caspar's love for art who tell who kind of you know i'll be realistic um tells him oh, it's, a, it's a hard life etc etc or you can you can kind of foster that spark in him um i'm i'm going to i'm going to make an assumption and assume we all were nice to caspar yes uh here's the thing that happens if you're nice to caspar he dies the game <laughs> the game plunges its hand into your chest and rips your heart out and goes, oh you thought you were doing the right thing being nice to this young apprentice plot twist if you're nice to him when you run into that burning fire he he has so much love and respect for you. He runs after you and he dies. Like not only has Andreas at this point lost his actual son, he has lost his surrogate son. Um, that one hurt mm-hmm. us because we told Caspar to leave and we thought he was going to because he respects us. And as you, you, you do occasionally get those little, um, uh, this game. One thing we liked is that there was no Caspar will remember this. Um, you only find out what your dialogue, which dialogue choices affected negatively or positively after you have tried to convince them of something. So it's not like, oh, okay, I know that I did I did at least one thing to this character already, so maybe I'll have some reputation. Uh, you really have no idea what act- which of your actions kind of contribute to reputation. Um, and so we... We told Caspar to leave, and that bar was all the way at the bottom because he loved us so much, and we were distraught. Um, which I, I think was was such a fantastic story beat, um, especially when it comes to the third act when um, you as Magdalene end up exploring more of the not only more the Roman ruins to learn the history of Tassing, but you end up exploring the history of you the ruins of the Abbey because part of your mural is is depicting what happened there and what depict uh, deciding what lens you view it through you know do you do you paint a a crazed mob do you paint uh, a a greedy monastery who the people had to rally against but you find andreas who's been basically living as a hermit under in the tunnels for 18 years yeah and i should do as you know we've all in this we've economy all, you know. we've all been there we've all had that <laughs> that you know the story arc tunnel girl summer um <laughs> and this running theme through the whole game is the labyrinth the labyrinth inside your mind and this is depicted visually for andreas in multiple ways um i believe at the start of the game there's uh 
there's the jester, there's Socrates. Yeah. There's I want to say and, there's like um, a king or Beatrice. something. Beatrice. And there's one other. And these kind of represent like the facets of Andreas's mind. And when you revisit these, like for instance, when you re- revisit this this mind this this mind palace, if you will, um, oh, in the <laughs> second act, they're all gone, and on, the only thing that is left is melancholy. They have all turned into this, this, this tall, late, this tall, uh, this tall lady, um, who is Andreas's undying melancholy, and um, this idea of the labyrinth, you know, continually growing and twisting and turning, and in a culmination of Act Three, Andreas kind of has to navigate through his labyrinth that he has ignored for the last eighteen years as he's been a hermit, and he has to kind of confront the ghosts of what he lost, of Caspar, of his son, of his wife, of the people he wasn't there for. Um, I've completely forgotten where I was going with this tangent, <laughs> um, as you do. Um, but no. yeah, you really, you really build. Andreas really is built from the people different. around him. Sorry. He is built different. <laughs> that boy be built different. Um, but, yeah, but I think that's once again with Gaspard, um, like running into the fire. It's it, even though it is sad, and I wish he didn't. At the same time, it's very refreshing for you to make a choice, and the video game being like, no, actually, this is what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And once again, mm-hmm. going back to Mass Effect. Real quick, uh, where you can actually like within the choice that you can make, you make that choice, and you know the characters stick to it, and which adds like such little, I don't know, it it makes the characters more pale, I guess it makes them more flat, um, it makes them just like things to be configured into your ideal. Once again, I love that game, yeah, but you you can configure them into essentially what you want very clearly. And once again, we already talked enough about community and, and character <laughs> now. But yeah, it, it shows that that this sense of community and character are so tightly interwoven and can generate scenarios onto themselves. And you are not the kingmaker of decisions. You, of course, you 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 know you're you're the first among equals because it's a video game. At the end of the day, it's mm-hmm. going to be a video game. But we that that's you know you can suspend your disbelief. Yeah, they but really not... feel like they have a tangible autonomy to their decisions. Yeah. Yeah. They were people, you yeah. Know, that's and like... all of their all of their decisions feel right for how those characters have been presented and written. It's not like you know they don't make they don't make choices because it's convenient. They make choices because no, that's what those characters would do. Yeah, mm-hmm. as much as uh, like uh, once again, I love Bioware mainly, but Dragon Age, but definitely also Mass Effect, definitely once upon a time. And yes, those companions are characters, but it's like I don't know. They are professional vibe machines first, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then characters. <laughs> and here they are characters first, and then whatever the fuck else needs, that happens, you know. And I think that's uh, no, that's something that any other game can learn from. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's my closing thought. <laughs> Just off the bat, is there any out of out of professional academic curiosity? Are there any? Just like, what was your favorite little moment of the game? Ooh, not an entire little moment, but um, what's yeah? Just what's like a moment that really stuck with you and you really remember really enjoying? Oh, okay. So a good one and a bad one. Even though it's not really a bad bad one, but for me, 
uh, the game starts off with like, hey, your rent is late. And I was like, ah. Uh, <laughs> and then it's like, hey, do you want to come over for dinner? Or, no, no, first, it's like, fuck, I'm, okay. It's your rent is late, and then you are late at the Abbey. Then there is an, there's an obstruction. So you have to help either help out or be on time for, uh, once again, in my head, this was a murder mystery game and I was ready to be judged severely for every mm-hmm. choice that I make. So the anxiety was like riddling through my poor little body. And it was like, ah, I want to help out with the fucking sheep, but I can't, I have to be on time at the Abbey. And, and, and I didn't know, once again, that the game is very relaxed with that. And it's like, it doesn't like, you know, so that happens. So that was like, rent late, Andreas late, can't help, have to go. Then when it's there, uh, you come along. You come along the uh, Drucker family, and it's like, "Hey, come over for dinner." And it's like, "I am agreeing to this. Yes, I want to come over for dinner." Right after that, there is a Baron that is like, "Hey, come over for dinner," and I will not take no for an answer. Like, fuck you. <laughs> so I had the anxiety of being late with money, late as a person. And then not being able to make it for dinner, which apparently previously I've missed already. Also, like beforehand, Andreas already missed dinner with the druggers. And yeah. they don't even bring it up when you see him. Like they are such nice people. And I didn't know any of this. So I was like having a bad time, man. Like it's. So anyway, but that, that's me. And it's a very personal configuration of my personal anxiety. I'm not judging the game for that, but that was a experience. For me, I don't know, there were so many. Like, I, I feel like some of the moments where you're just talking to people are so meaningful. Like, when you're you're helping the women weave. Like, that's just <laughs> yes. such a nice moment where it's like, yeah, I know, you do a little mini game, though, where you're trying to figure it out, and uh, you, you can get quite quick and quite good at it. And uh, now you're, you're talking, you're having a nice time, you're helping out, you're, you're inside, you're a part of this community. Um, but I, I just can't mention when I, when I started noticing the typos and people talking, I was like, oh my god, this is perfect. Definitely. Uh, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to give two answers because it's my <laughs> well, podcast I now. I do what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> this is my podcast now. Uh, one is um, it was looking at all the little margin drawings every like every single time i know i believe i saw a post on tumblr where it was um a lot of them are based off of real kind of uh, illustrations uh but we we noticed or i think we we kind of placed together uh the cats all kind of look like the different monks and the sisters um if you go back they kind of there is uh the different cats there's like uh there's the two there's the two cats kind of curled up together which look like um, brother Matthew and brother Rigar, who are secret secret lovers. Um, there's gays in this game, you know, star for that. Um, and the other one was when Magdalene is talking to her father, who is essentially on his deathbed. He's been very ill after after Father Thomas, you know, failed to you know try to try to take him out. And he was left like very heavily concussed with like, I we assume sort of internal hemorrhaging, bleeding. I don't know. I'm yeah. I'm not a medical person, um, but he's. I believe it's one of the last conversations you have with him. And uh, she's and the the quote he says is, "Love is the only reason to do anything in this life." And it's said at such a lovely, poignant moment of Magdalene, you know, 
persevering to finish this mural even though a lot of people in the town don't think she can or she should because she is a young woman and uh a lot of i don't know how you played your again you can play magdalene very differently but we we very much did not take any interest in getting set up with oats um who multiple people assume that you're gonna get together uh our magdalene ended up going to prague uh, with yeah. her with her very good friend and leaving this little town behind and going and doing amazing things and it was that that little quote is this last kind of one of the last I think I think it's one of the last conversations you have with your dad before he passes away um but that really that really stuck with me as one of my favorite moments especially in act three um just phenomenal <laughs> the writing in this game is so intricate and well thought out and it is never wasted yeah, yeah. I think like um, once again to elaborate just a tiny bit more on the point that I made, like it the, it never goes out of its way to uh, say that like once again uh, it doesn't have a glorified vision of anything. Like community is community, and people have always been people with whatever that entails. In this case, murder, but also great uh, great kindness, and also great that uh, sense of like you no know, working together towards the thing and like. Being good to each other have positive effects, and it isn't—it isn't utopic in its vision, and nor should mm-hmm. it be. It no. is just once again, it, but it is meaningful, and I think yeah. that's great because you don't have to be utopic, but you have to be meaningful, in my opinion. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. It believes in that, and I think I love games that are able to answer the question, "What do you believe in?" Which is once again one of the uh, crucial questions I asked. If I think is art artful, is the art arting? Is the art you know is the, <laughs> is working out? Um, is you know is is this is this good? Is this is this meaningful? And if if I can answer the question, if you believe in something and what you believe in, I think that's a good sign. Um, I'm gonna take that to to draw a final point of something that I uh, I should have talked about before, but anyway, these things happen. The reason the reason why Father Thomas the Fred Fuller was doing all this um, was in order to uh, keep keep it in secret the the actual history of the town that uh, St. Moritz and some of his legends were built upon pagan Roman traditions, changing and being adapted over time. And he Enjoy. did it uh, to keep secret a, a particular book and any other stories and even places that drew, that, you know, pointed out this like, oh, there's a, an actual material history to these traditions as well. Um Turns out, uh, Father Thomas is the one who does not want people to think, does not want people to question or, or have any reasoning about it, and is the one foreclosing knowledge and history. Um, he does it all to it. And, and, and one of the things at the end is that, like, because uh, he, uh, he dies fatally as the ruins or part of the ruins collapse. And, you know, you have a choice to, you know, do I tell people or not? And that is exactly what he he wanted. He wanted to hide this. He wanted to to control history in a sense. And you can choose to uphold that or not. And you ha- can have decent enough reason for both. But a part of the point is how how much um, Father Thomas did not trust, did not believe in people. Uh, he was at the end of the day. All this points out is utterly distrustful, utterly skeptic and disbelieving of his community. Whereas, you know, 
if he paid attention, he, if he was a part of it, maybe keeping this a secret wasn't important. Maybe, um, you know, committing, uh, inducing people to commit several murders um, and, you know, co- furthering chaos in, the, in, in this small village wasn't actually better than uh, being a part of it and being with people and engaging with its present and its past as well. It's like, um, the point I make is, uh, you know, okay, so these traditions were once Roman beliefs. Okay, does that mean we need to be worse people now? Should we be worse people now because of it? Because these traditions are like that? Yeah, like Father Thomas is then emblematic of like capital C church. Yeah. As in, we control narrative, we control culture. Exactly. We don't want it to get away from us, and we are terrified of it getting away from us. Yeah. I think that's, but then, you know, it's, once again, has this very mature approach to, you know, just showing that Father Thomas was a bad apple, and there are also good apples and so forth. Normally, I'm a rejected narrative, but in this case, I think it's mature and important and meaningful. Yeah. It's like, you know, what you talked to some of the other brothers, like, uh, to bring it back to Brother Piero. Uh, he he talks quite notably about like th- this monastery, this scriptorium. It's not going to last long, and that's okay. It's a shame, but it's it's bound to happen. It's going to happen. It's happening, and that's that is life. That is change. Mm. Well, uh, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Uh, uh, before we wanna... go, yeah, um, we're gonna play a little game. <laughs> I'm 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 taking the reins forcibly from your hands. After after you so graciously welcomed me onto your podcast, I am taking control. Uh, we're so gonna actually, play. Actually, I planned this. I pulled this thread. You're actually just perfectly doing oh, what I. I see. I see. <laughs> uh, we're gonna play Smasher Pass for. Can you get into this uh, very close, uh, closely guarded uh, room in this church, real quick? I'll, I'll pr- I promise I won't like you know. Like push you into. Uh, yeah, a yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't close behind. You. <laughs> um, we're gonna play Smasher Pass. I, f- I promise there's, there's only we're only going to do a couple of these because there's, as we are looking at the the character wiki, we're not going to do all of them because there's too many. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. I'm just gonna we're gonna go alphabetical uh, because that's the like list I have. Of this my, is your segment. This the is, burden my is entirely on your shoulders. Oh no, I'm terrified. Smokey, smash or pass. Smash. Smash. Smokey. I don't need to think about it. Just. <laughs> Smokey was the was the was the guy who always hangs out with um uh He's not in the character list. What's his real name? Adam Backslap. Adam Smokey Collar. Yeah. Okay. Adam He's he's the, the gossip. Burner. Adam Smokey Oh Curler. Ah, oh, so done. Yeah. Uh pass. Okay. Uh I think this is an easy one, but Vaxlav? Smash. Oh. Vashlav? Yes. That's how you, that, that's how you pronounce it. Oh yeah, absolutely smash. Yeah. yeah, he okay. he is potentially even more attractive in Act Three, which is mm. which is just criminal. Mm-hmm. I know <laughs> oh, he gets just like like a fine wine. Brother Florian, who's the one with the eye patch. Oh, you go, you go ahead, Frank. Uh... <laughs> Holly, you just go eye, eye patch smash <laughs> smash. That's really funny because I thought of you saying, "Oh, I bet you when I saw him, I heard like your voice in, my, in the back of my head, like, "Oh, <laughs> like, Ooh, I love an eye patch." Eye on. <laughs> um, I would say pass, but I would love to be friends with him. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, how do we feel about Doctor Werner? Oh, hold on. Ugh. 
It's pass. Stink. Yeah, pass. I mean, he's handsome, but definitely pass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting, actually. Super really quick side note. We found out that you can actually... I'm, I'm assuming in Act 3, was he, like, a drunk in Act 3? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can... If you do the right... If you make some of the right choices, uh, you can kind of steer him away from that. And he actually is is not like that in Act 3 at all. Um, nice. It's very different. Uh... Otto. Wife, wife of Baron. Oh, smash, smash. smash. Oh, what's the name of the wife of the Baron? Um, fuck me, I, I, I forgot. That. I'm, I'm not a feminist. Uh, <laughs> losing my credit here. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's a uh, lady Somale, Solemai, Salomea. Salomea? Oh, hold on. Uh, oh yeah, smash. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Go Correct ahead. answer. Um, Sister Matilda. She's she's one of the people you can accuse in the first act. Uh, I I I I'll, uh, I, I think pass. Uh, she's already yeah. got a lover as well. Yeah, it's a respectful pass. <laughs> yeah, pass. Yeah. Uh, Sister Zadena. Yeah, smash. Smash. <laughs> pass. Wow. Oh, wow. interesting. Wow. Gonna need, gonna need you to expand on that one. <laughs> I mean, she's nice, but uh, I don't know. D- don't vibe that well. I also didn't pick hedonist. Okay, hedonist. Yeah. Let's, um, uh, would uh, we what's... smash Illuminati? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to say pass because I know she's a lesbian. This is true. This is true. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm fine. Smash. Yeah, no, no. Holly can say smash. It's fine. Yeah. Um, what's the who's the uh, the guy the guy who who travels the guy who tells the story and you're in the storybook? Oh, uh, brother Shabbat. Yeah, smash. Shabbat of Sadai. Smash. Smash. Uh, I, I, I oh, think I've only passed Ethiopia. like two people. Yes. Um. Yeah, smash. Uh, oh, uh, black till, smash. Oh. Uh, I don't think Leon's really met too much. I I <laughs> I think it's a smash though. Yeah. I mean, smash. I'm just double checking. <laughs> we gotta we gotta cite our our, our sources. Okay. Yeah. I'll do one last one. Baltus. Sweet, sweet Baltus. And his his really he's just his good friend. Just his friend that hangs around. I look know? too much like Black Till, so I can't say. Oh, I see. Um Round Oh yeah. Here. Baltus and his friend. Yeah, Baltus and his really good friend who just His really good friend. They just always hang around, just helps him his 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 business partner. And they're making beer. And they're making beer. There's nothing <laughs> gayer than making beer. You heard it here first. Um But yeah, smash. Uh I'm pass. I'll I'm pass. fine. Fair. Okay. Okay. This concludes Holly's uh <laughs> Not very thought out segment. I feel no, like this. I feel like you've set a dangerous precedent because, uh, like a Telltale video game, there's a, a thing showing up. Frank will remember this, 
and we'll remember you to make a smash request whenever you come on. I can do that. Oh, I can absolutely. I can absolutely. <laughs> that is an assignment I can absolutely do. That's nice. Next time I know I'm coming on, I'll I'll come with notes. I'll come oh. with a. I'll I'll come with a slideshow. <laughs> well, difficult for a podcast, but if you can pull it off, ah, congrats. Yeah, we'll make it. We'll make it happen. You know, my my genius transcends mediums. I'm being sarcastic. Um, just, just just FYI. I uh, I'm very happy because once again. I forgot to do a uh, Star Wars or Forest Wars on the Ender episode. So oh. I feel like I'm, I'm redeeming myself by allowing this segment to be yeah. on uh, Toss On. Yeah. So. Nice. All right. Well, thank you everybody so much for listening. And yeah. we will see you soon on the left page. Yeah, thank you so much, everyone. Where... Thank you, Holly. Thank you for having me. It's been, it's been a wonderful time. Where we will see a very interesting version of Frank. Talking oh about yeah, the very no, next episode, uh, next month is gonna be oh, it's a Frank you've rarely seen in snippets, but uh, he's gonna come back in full force. Is Frank is Frank gonna pop off? Oh, they absolutely will. That's my favorite kind. <laughs> Hell hath no fury as the coming Frank. I am mm. looking forward to. Uh, well, I hope you guys are looking forward to our Jekyll and Hyde ripoff. Um, thank you so much for listening, everyone. <laughs> And take care.